Remember the 90s? When MTV still meant music television? When people still bought CDs? When legends like Chris Cornell and Dimebag Daryl still rocked the earth? Well, you can go back to those halcyon years regularly with Sounds Like Teen Spirit, the ultimate 90s radio show podcast. On each episode, I review and play from the latest albums by decade-defining artists like Pearl Jam, Megadeth, and Primus, and discuss current developments with those artists, all amid a playlist of 90s and 90s-adjacent music, of course. Again, that sounds like Teen Spirit. New episodes premiere Sundays, 8 to 10 p.m. on 89.9 KBGA Missoula, and past episodes are archived at kbga.org teen-spirit.
Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your fastidious host, Ian. This episode's got music from the likes of Cracker, Suicidal Tendencies, Spiderbait, Jurassic 5, Fish, Mark Lanigan Band, The Breeders, Catch-22, Harvey Danger, and Powerman 5000. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song apiece from the new Semisonic album, Little Bit of Sun, released on November 3rd, the new Helmet album, Left, released on November 10th, and the complete 2023 discography of Guided by Voices, which includes the albums La La Land, released on January 20th, Welsh Pool Frillies, released on July 21st, and Nowhere to Go But Up, released on November 24th. I'll start with GBV. As Guided by Voices have been steadfastly dropping three new albums per year since 2019, an undertaking rivaled by virtually no others in the music industry, I have tailored a unique approach to reviewing their work. Starting in 2021, I began covering their entire annual output with a single joint review following what I perceive to be their final release each year. I have found this approach to make the act of reviewing Guided by Voices more enjoyable and myself more attuned to the differences between their albums, on top of making things more efficient, of course. So this is going to be the way of the future, at least until GBV randomly decide to scale it the hell back. Since that certainly didn't happen in 2023, and realistically won't for as long as frontman Robert Pollard remains healthy, welcome to my third consecutive Guided by Voices year in review. As per usual... 2023's edition addresses three new GBV LPs. The first, La La Land, was issued in January, less than three months shy of its most immediate predecessor. It was promoted ahead of its release as a continuation of the proggy stylings of July 2022's Tremblers and Goggles by Rank, and the reality is that it adheres so closely to that album's template, or rather lack thereof, that it may as well have been titled Tremblers and Goggles by Rank Part Due. Given the relative quality of the album it evokes, however, that could hardly be considered a knock against it. Like Tremblers, La La Land mostly sounds like a typical GBV record, but it experiments with prog song structures. Some songs contain multiple movements or transition to the next song in a way that makes it seem like another movement, and the song lengths get wildly disparate. The average GBV song is quick and punchy, falling well under three minutes more often than not. While La La Land, true to form, is predominantly made up of shorter songs, a few of them get unusually lengthy, with the longest, slowly on the wheel, maxing out at exactly six minutes. That would make it the longest GBV song I've ever heard if not for Who Wants to Go Hunting off of Tremblers, which had it beat by a mere 18 seconds. I generally find the longer GBV cuts, the ones that at least approach the 4-minute mark, to be more impressive and satisfying, so I'm grateful we ended up getting quite a few of those amid this year's crop of albums. 
Moving on, the second GBV album of 2023, Welshpool Frillies, arrived almost exactly six months after the first, around mid-July. It is common practice for Guided by Voices to follow up a relatively experimental offering with a more straightforward power-pop album, which is precisely what Welshpool Frillies is. And it's a rather good one at that. The album boasts no shortage of strong hooks and riffs, especially on the songs Meet the Star, Romeo Surgeon, Why Won't You Kiss Me, and Rust Belt Boogie. The energy level remains fairly high throughout this 15-song set, and even the smaller, lighter tracks keep things humming right along. All the songs on Welsh Pool Frillies are more or less of the quick and punchy variety, though a surprising number of them come up north of three minutes. In total, the album clocks in at 41 minutes, making it the longest of the three that GBV put out this year, but it also handily has the most tracks, so that certainly, uh, tracks. The third and presumably final GBV album of 2023 was Nowhere to Go But Up, released just a few weeks ago. Not unlike its immediate predecessor, it's a pretty conventional rock album, but I wouldn't label this one Power Pop. It's notably less catchy and up-tempo, as the riffs are largely slower and heavier. Also, there's a fair amount of offbeat instrumentation, like the faint but unmistakable sound of Christmas bells weaving through the intro of opener The Race is On, The King is Dead, prominent horns towards the end of How Did He Get Up There, and a lounge-style piano and xylophone outro tacked on to Closer, Song, and Dance. However, despite being kind of a slow burn and relatively uninviting, Nowhere to Go But Up is a reasonably solid GBV album that rewards listeners who stick with it to the end. Though it's not particularly long, three of its 11 tracks exceed 4 minutes, only three fall under 3 minutes, and none of them fall under 2. The above-average song lengths on this album generally help to facilitate more memorable and substantial songs, and for the most part, I feel like it becomes increasingly interesting as it goes. Ultimately, 2023 has turned out to be a pretty stellar showing for Guided by Voices. Let's face it, there's no way to churn out new albums as fast as they do without a lot of them amounting to average or less, as is very much GBV's reality. So having an entire calendar year's worth of their albums fall on the desirable side of average is truly a commendable feat. I still don't feel like we need this many of them, though. I'm probably not going to hear or even think about the vast majority of these songs ever again, as they'll be buried under another mountain of songs before you know it. Alright, here's how I want to break it down. I'm going to play a song from the newest of the three albums in this episode, and I believe I'll have enough room for a song from each of the other two in my 2023 Album of the Year show, which is scheduled to premiere on KBGA exactly two weeks from now. That being said, this next song was actually the lead single from Nowhere to Go But Up, and though I generally try to dig deeper with my selections and play something you might not hear otherwise, sometimes the lead single is the lead single for a reason. GBV evidently felt that if you only ever hear one song from their latest album, it should be this one. And I agree. This is the best song on the album and a viable candidate for GBV Song of the Year. Perhaps not coincidentally, it's also the longest song on the album at 4 minutes and 38 seconds. The song is called For the Home. Enjoy!
portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else, and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give Something Else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org.
never work in television again off their 2022 album, A Light for Attracting Attention. The Smile, the new supergroup that combines Radiohead frontman Tom York and guitarist Johnny Greenwood with Sons of Kemet drummer Tom Skinner, have essentially continued non-stop since the release of their debut album in May of last year. They've been on the road frequently over the past year and a half, also working in several festival slots, televised gigs, and other one-offs. They put out a live album in late 2022, followed by a live EP in early 2023, and perhaps most significantly, they are gearing up to drop their sophomore album a mere 20 months after their first. Last month, The Smile announced that their next album will be titled Wall of Eyes and released on January 26, 2024. This means you should probably continue to not hold your breath for the return of Radiohead, assuming you had the good sense to stop long ago. Although its five members reportedly got together for a meeting at the start of this year, and drummer Philip Selway confirmed that the band, quote, still very much exists in a March 2023 interview promoting his latest solo record, Radiohead haven't issued any new material since their 2016 album, A Moon-Shaped Pool, and their last live performance was in 2018. And sure, Radiohead, being longtime proponents of viral marketing, are exactly the sort of band that could drop a new song or album out of absolute nowhere. But I don't imagine anything else happening with them for as long as Tom and Johnny remain active in The Smile. Good thing The Smile's music is often highly reminiscent of Radiohead and more or less scratches the same itch. 2022's A Light for Attracting Attention felt like an organic evolution from where Radiohead were at as of their most recent album, and that vibe continues in the two singles released thus far from Wall of Eyes. The first, Bending Hectic, came out in June, and is quite possibly my favorite track from The Smile to date. It's an eight-minute epic that starts out quiet and introspective, gradually building its way to a chaotic and emotional crescendo that endures over the final two minutes. It is precisely the type of song Radiohead have so thoroughly mastered that few other bands can even hope to compare. Coming off that one, I was a little underwhelmed by Wall of Eyes' second single, the title track coinciding with the album announcement. That one is also quiet and introspective, but it never really builds to anything exciting. Ah well, I'm sure I'll warm up to it if I give it a chance. The upcoming Smile album is just the latest addition to an already crowded January 26th. That day will also see the release of the first new Alkaline Trio album in almost five and a half years, Blood, Hair, and Eyeballs, the new Kula Shaker album, Natural Magic, which will only be about 19 months removed from its most immediate predecessor, and the new Static X album, Project Regeneration Volume 2, the second and reportedly final collection of songs utilizing archived vocals from the late Wayne Static, which absolutely would have been reviewed in this episode were it not delayed from its original date of November 3rd. I intend to review and play from all four of those January 26th albums, along with the previously discussed new albums from Green Day and Slater Kinney coming out the week before, though it'll most certainly take me more than one episode to cover all that. The second half of January 2024 is... highly unprecedented, to say the least. Anyway, before The Smile, I played Stitch It Up by Mark Lanigan Band off their 2019 album Somebody's Knocking, Fubar by Suicidal Tendencies, off their 2018 album, Still Psycho Punk After All These Years. The Wagon by Dinosaur Jr., off their 1991 album, Green Mind. Calypso by Spiderbait, off their 1996 album, Ivy and the Big Apples. And Sad Sweetheart of the Rodeo by Harvey Danger, off their 2000 album, King James Version.
Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slash SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org slash teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Helmet album, Left. After disbanding for several years around the turn of the century, Helmet returned in 2004 with a new lineup backing original frontman and lead guitarist Paige Hamilton. The reincarnated Helmet have maintained a relatively low profile ever since, quietly matching the four albums of their initial run with an additional four between 2004 and 2016. It's been a long time coming, but as of last month, the band finally one-upped their 90s output with the release of their ninth studio album, Left. Although more than seven years have passed since the previous outing, things have remained essentially the same within the Helmet camp. The band's lineup hasn't changed for over a decade. They're still partnered with German record label Ear Music, and album production was once again handled by Hamilton himself, for the most part. As a result, Left shares a musical consistency with Helmet's other more recent albums, but above all, thanks in no small part to Hamilton's unwavering dedication, it retains the spirit of Helmet that has persisted for over 30 years now. Left gets off to a strong enough start with a pair of solidly quintessential Helmet cuts. Lead single Holiday may not feel like much of an album opener, awkwardly launching right into its first verse from the moment the listener hits play, but it expertly sets the stage for the rest of the album, balancing an infectious hook with a lot of gleefully profane barking and snarling from Hamilton. Next, second single Gun Fluff ups the ante with a more urgent sound and quite possibly the album's greatest chorus. From there, Left unfolds as a more or less traditional helmet release with a reasonably good degree of song variation. Harsh and heavy cuts like NYC Tough Guy, Big Shot, and Dislocated are juxtaposed with more methodical and melodic fare like Makeup and Powder Puff, and a handful of refreshingly experimental tracks fill in the spaces between. Bombastic combines early Chili Peppers-esque funk rock riffing with eerily serene hissing vocals into a head-turning intro that the rest of the song can't quite live up to, though it does seem to come closer with each subsequent spin. Tell Me Again is a sparse acoustic ballad that stands out like a sore thumb on the album, but in no way derails or undercuts it, rounding out its tenderness with a healthy helping of grit. And the album's two interlude tracks, Reprise and Resolution, are vastly different from each other and have a bit more going for them than the average interlude. The former is almost a full-fledged song, with spacey vocals weaving around a riff that gradually takes shape amid the discordant noise and segs perfectly into Dislocated, and the latter serves as a rather disarming coda to the album that highlights Hamilton's jazzy beginnings, which have long influenced the stylings of Helmet in subtle ways. Ultimately, Left doesn't quite succeed at recapturing the magic of Helmet's 90s run, and it feels a little slight at roughly 31 minutes in length, but it still packs in enough worthwhile songs and moments for anyone willing to give it a fair shake. Alright, next up is the aforementioned song with the cool intro, Bombastic. Enjoy! You are so fully self-aware In your own kitchen Still trying to soak it up Start your own religion Never sick and tired of you Love so 
Yo, what's up? This is Afro Man. Hey, this is Bass Nectar. We're the Dodging Mountain Man. The Hood Internet. Hey, this is Michael Franti. This is Dude F.O. Infected Mushroom. And we are from the band. And you're listening to KBGA, Missoula.
group by the name of I like this group when they Withstand bullets flashing like a Japan tourist. We command pure hits while you cramming to understand these contraband lyrics. My fam submits to pray five times a day, climbing into your mind with live rhyme display. J5 finds a way to remain supreme, coming verbally harder, son, as if my name was Gabine. Hey, yo, my team dream works when I spill verbs, I spill words, communicate from the earth throughout the universe. I transmit transcripts, transcontinental lyrics, deeply rooted in your spirit. Uh, I love the power of words, nouns and verbs, depending the sword, linguistic or the war, no folklores or myths in my penmanship. The path of scholar warriors is what I present, uh, verbally decapitating those against, uh, jihad, feasibili, like my words make sense, she gots to get up on your vocab, you gots to have vocab, letters make words, and sentences makes paragraphs. Quality control. Smart 7, tuna, bitch, die, give it, kill it. Producers of the highest quality product. Yo, I make the pen capsize, the bubble with the planet eyes, planet knives, every pen that I utilize, spit juice, crack blood from your tooth, and flick truth, speak a lies, 99 attributes. You BBMCs drink Pedia Light, while underground doesn't like you, the media might, but we be your fleet, we'll change that, as we bridge gaps in this lyrical grudge match, brothers we slug back. Yeah, we bless tracks with the help of a raw rap, imprint it like poor tracks all over your brain rack. My mental maneuver will claim and steer right through ya We grand like Puba, understand that we move Hey yo, my rhythm reveal, roller coaster, real deal yeah. Revolutionize, we act and build I plant my dreams in the field and wait to harvest my skills For the starving 
MC hungry trying to get the meal. Hey, you're my quality control. Captivate your party patrol. You're my body and soul. Flow. The bell tolls like the rhythm explode. Big bad and bold, being boys of like the radio station college radio 899 fm
summer inside And the moon is full of rainbows When it's summer inside Then we go through many changes When it's summer inside Then all I really know is that I truly am In the summer inside in the summer inside In the summer inside Summer in Siam, off their 1990 album, Hell's Ditch. 
On this episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, we mourn the loss of Pogue's frontman Shane McGowan, who passed away in his Dublin home on November 30th at the age of 65. McGowan had struggled with deteriorating health over the last several years. He was experiencing the inevitable fallout from all the drug and alcohol abuse of his youth, and he'd been more or less wheelchair-bound since 2015 after a nasty fall that fractured his pelvis. However, his ultimate cause of death was an especially intense bout of pneumonia. He was reported to have been hospitalized in an ICU this past July, and he ended up staying there for months before finally being discharged on November 22nd. Alas, it was all for naught, as he only survived for about a week outside the hospital. Shane McGowan co-founded the Pogues in 1982 and sang lead on their first five albums, which encompassed the band's commercial peak from the late 80s to early 90s. Eventually, McGowan's substance abuse became a real obstacle, making it increasingly difficult for the Pogues to fulfill their performance obligations, and he was fired in 1991. From there, he went on to record and release two albums with his new band, Shane McGowan and the Popes, who rebranded themselves as just the Popes following his departure. Meanwhile, the Pogues continued for a bit without McGowan and would release two albums with founding Tin Whistle player Spider Stacy on lead vocals before disbanding in 1996. They'd ultimately reunite in 2001, welcoming back not only McGowan, but basically every original and classic member who had left the band ahead of their breakup. Although this rejuvenated iteration of the Pogues never recorded any new material, they'd stick together and tour intermittently for another dozen years or so. In a 2015 interview, McGowan revealed that the Pogues had unceremoniously disbanded once more, saying, We grew to hate each other all over again. To that he added, I don't hate the band at all. They're friends. I like them a lot. We were friends for years before we joined the band. We just got a bit sick of each other. We're friends as long as we don't tour together. I've done a hell of a lot of touring. I've had enough of it. At the time, the Pogues' last show together was at a French music festival in August 2014. However, the surviving members ended up reuniting earlier this month on December 8th to perform at McGowan's Wake. Led by Spider Stacy, they closed out the evening with the traditional Scottish and Irish folk song The Parting Glass, a staple of their live sets and the namesake for at least one of their tours, putting a nicer and more definitive button on their whole career in the process. The moment is made even more bittersweet by the knowledge that, in his final days, McGowan had set aside 10,000 euros specifically to pay the entire pub tab for his wake, because he wanted his mourners to be celebrating his life as opposed to agonizing over his death. Shane McGowan's legacy may not extend far past the Pogues, but even still, he led what will perhaps go down as the preeminent Celtic punk band of all time, and he was without a doubt among the most authentically Irish rock singers to ever exist. May he rest in peace. Anyway, before the Pogues, I played I Ride My Bike by Cracker off their 1993 album Kerosene Hat, Backwoods by the Red Hot Chili Peppers off their 1987 album The Uplift Mofo Party Plan, Quality Control by Jurassic 5 off their 2000 album of the same name, and Karaoke by Soundgarden off their 2014 compilation echo of miles scattered tracks across the path. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like the show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. 
Alright folks, Shane McGowan isn't the only fallen legend I wish to honor this week. Killing Joke guitarist Kevin Jordy Walker also passed away recently at his home in Prague on November 26th at the age of 64. His cause of death is tied to complications from a massive stroke he had suffered two days prior. Jordy Walker may not have been a founding member of Killing Joke, but he was the only axeman the band have ever known. He first joined in 1979, roughly a year after their inception, in response to a personal ad from frontman Jazz Coleman and Melody Maker. Since then, he and Coleman served as the band's only constants over their 40-plus years of existence. Walker had played on every Killing Joke recording to date, encompassing 15 studio albums along with several EPs and one-off singles, and he was always involved in the band's songwriting. In addition, he was a member of Murder Incorporated, The Damage Manual, and Pigface, three supergroups that also included former Killing Joke and Public Image Limited drummer Martin Adkins. As the one and only guitarist of Killing Joke, Jordy Walker was inexorably linked to the late 70s post-punk movement, which saw musicians combining the attitude and ethos of punk with experimental avant-garde elements and other non-rock influences. Though the movement itself was short-lived, it ultimately gave rise to a number of enduring genres, including industrial, indie, and dance rock, and there's no doubt that Walker alone had a major impact on that particular subsection of music history. In fact, he proved tremendously influential to many of the past four decades' biggest guitar icons, like Kurt Cobain, Metallica's Kirk Hammett, and My Bloody Valentine's Kevin Shields. Much has been said of Walker's distinctive guitar style, especially amid the outpouring of tributes following his death. For instance, the band Therapy described him as, quote, an effortless player with a monstrous sound. Notable Welsh music critic Simon Price said of him, those three notes at the start of Love Like Blood alone opened up a whole world. And visual artist Daniel Danger of Tiny Media Empire tweeted the following gem. If a guitar could ever be said to sound nihilist, that was Geordie Walker. If a guitar could ever be said to sound like the power of all endless worlds across all endless time dancing at once, an earthquake deeper than the combined existence of everything, also him. At this point, Killing Joke are more than eight years removed from their latest album, 2015's Pylon, but they did release a new EP in 2022 titled Lord of Chaos, and just earlier this year they issued the standalone single Full Spectrum Dominance. Though precious little has been said of it on public record, the band were indeed in the process of making a new album at the time of Walker's death. The most recent and concrete evidence of it I could find comes from the press release for last year's Lord of Chaos EP, which states that the EP's new songs, quote, set the tone for the band's next studio album currently being worked on in Prague. As of press time, the surviving members have yet to confirm whether the album will be finished and released posthumously, or whether Killing Joke will even continue as a band without Walker, but I suspect those questions will be addressed once they've had sufficient time to mourn. I'll be sure to report back to y'all then, but in the meantime, all that's really left for me to say is, rest in peace, Geordie Walker. Alright, next I'm going to play that new Killing Joke single from earlier this year in Walker's honor. The single was originally issued back in March to celebrate the band's sold-out two-night engagement at London's Royal Albert Hall that month, where they played their first two albums in full. I actually considered including the song in episode 217, Manic Depeshian, but I ultimately wasn't able to make room for it. In light of recent events, though, I'm kind of glad I sat on it till now. This is, in effect, the final Killing Joke song released in Walker's lifetime, and it is a monster. Again, the song's called Full Spectrum Dominance. 
Crank this one loud for Jordy.
God. And whenever I'm in Missoula, which is always because I'm omnipresent, I listen to all the radio stations at the same time, including KBGA. KBGA Missoula, 89.9. It lives in folds of red and steamy.
is James Pants from the Stone's Throw label in the forests of Spokane. You are listening to KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. Life in slow motion, feet are in the clay. I'm going nowhere, been standing here all day. I had a notion there was something more to do. As I watched the water from the banks of the river, it swelled and grew. And I tilt to the left, lean to the right, tilt to the left and lean to the right. Walked on coal and slept on glass amid swords of sound and daggers of light. And my heart is screaming. Cause half of what I say is lies And it takes so much to keep up this disguise It takes so much to keep up this disguise I see a doorway in the haze And I'm trying to get to
Sepultura with Sepultura Under My Skin, off their 2015 single of the same name. Sepultura are hanging up their hats after four decades as a band. Their dissolution does not stem from conflict, apathy, or any other negative reason. They just collectively decided their career has reached natural endpoint and have, quote, chosen to depart via a conscious and planned death, as per their farewell statement issued on December 8th. Some fans might consider this long overdue, given that there isn't a single original member left in Sepultura's lineup, and the Cavalera brothers, the pair of siblings who co-founded Sepultura in the mid-80s, both abandoned the band long ago. Frontman Max Cavalera left shortly after the release of their 1996 breakthrough album Roots, and drummer Igor Cavalera followed suit in 2006. However, bassist Paolo Jr. joined the band mere months after their 1984 inception, appearing on all the band's albums, and guitarist Andreas Kisser, who joined in 87, has been on all of them but the first one. Furthermore, Max Cavalera's immediate replacement, Derek Green, has fronted Sepultura for 25 years now and recorded on their last nine albums, and the band's lineup has remained solidified since the addition of drummer Eloy Casagrande in 2011. I reckon Sepultura still have the strength to continue for a good many more years, especially given the quality of their last album, but they are choosing to go out on their own terms in a dignified manner. a uh, euthanasia, as they themselves put it. The band's final plans, which they reportedly deliberated over for the past two years, primarily consist of an epic 40th anniversary farewell tour that will span the entire globe. On top of that, they intend to release a compilation of 40 live tracks they'll record on the tour, each one from a different city. The tour is set to play out over the next 18 months, to once again quote the farewell statement, so if that means 18 months from now, then Sepultura should be taking their final bow around June of 2025. If it means 18 months from the apparent start of the tour, then it'll be a few months past that. Thus far, three legs of the tour have been announced, with the first being a short run around the band's native Brazil. Sepultura will be kicking off this run on March 1st, 2024 in Belo Horizonte, and they'll be in the country for most of the month, returning for a one-off in Sao Paulo in early September. They'll be touring through Central and South America around mid-April, and a European leg, with support from Ginger, Obituary, and Jesus Peace, is set to begin in late October. No U.S. legs have been announced yet, but I imagine there will be at least a couple, and one could occur as early as next summer, since they've left that entire season wide open at this time. I also imagine an Australia-slash-New Zealand leg is in the cards, and another lap around South America at the end seems likely. Furthermore, there are bound to be plenty of odd festival slots interspersed throughout the next year and a half of tour dates. As of press time, it does not appear that a final studio album is part of Sepultura's farewell plans, which would make 2020's Quadra their de facto final album. I really hope they end up recording one more, because I'm sure it would be quite excellent, but if they don't, at least the well-varied and musically rich Quadra is strong enough for them to go out on. And if they do, you can count on me eventually reviewing and playing from it right here on the program. Anyway... Before Sepultura, I played On and On and On by Catch-22 off their 1998 album Caseby Nights, More by Fish off their 2016 album Big Boat, Mega Kung Fu Radio by Powerman5000 off their 1997 album of the same name, Crab by Weezer off their 2001 self-titled Green album, Hellbound by The Breeders off their 1990 album Pod, and What It Is by Bad Religion off their 1994 album Stranger Than Fiction. 
And that about wraps up a Yuletide-adjacent edition of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. This was my last regular episode of 2023, though I suppose that should come as no surprise given that it's mid-December. All that's left for me to do now is my 2023 Album of the Year show, which, as I believe I've already mentioned, will premiere right here two Sundays from now on New Year's Eve. Also, be sure to tune in next Sunday, Christmas Eve, for a rebroadcast of my 2022 holiday special, A Very Sounds Like Teen Spirit Christmas. Or just listen to it whenever you want via my archive at kbga.org teen spirit, where it's been for almost a year now. In the meantime, I'm concluding this show with my review and a song from the new Semisonic album, Little Bit of Sun. Semisonic frontman Dan Wilson is in a rather peculiar position at this juncture of his music career. He got his start in bands, specifically Trip Shakespeare followed by Semisonic, but after the latter's dissolution in the early aughts, the writer and composer of Closing Time became a songwriting mercenary, lending his chops to a wide array of rock, pop, and country artists. Wilson's list of writing credits is seriously massive and includes songs for the likes of Adele, The Chicks, Taylor Swift, Tom Morello, Pink, and Leanne Rimes. After he'd spent the better part of two decades writing for various others, it seemed unlikely that Wilson would ever get back into the semisonic headspace again, but then it kind of happened by accident in 2017. Wilson was tapped to write some songs for Liam Gallagher of Oasis, and perhaps unsurprisingly, this collaboration with the more combative Gallagher brother fell through. But that ultimately proved to be a godsend, as Wilson decided the songs he came up with were better suited for Semisonic anyway. From there, he got the original trio back together, and they put out the EP You're Not Alone in 2020. Now Semisonic is back seemingly for the long haul, as Wilson also continues his songwriter for hire enterprise, and last month saw the release of the band's first new album in over 22 years, Little Bit of Sun. To reiterate, Wilson's situation is unique. The list of artists who write and perform in their own bands for roughly 15 years, pivot to writing for countless popular artists for even longer, and then return to their main band and write for both themselves and others concurrently, is, uh, exclusive, to say the least. But if there's anyone out there capable of juggling it all, it's Dan Huffing Wilson. His proficiency as a pop songwriter was apparent even in the early days of Semisonic, and writing hundreds of diverse tunes for his extensive clientele over the years has only served to sharpen his skills further. Wilson's songs tend to somehow simultaneously be highly personal and universally relatable. They're often simple and unsubtle in meaning, but they cut right to the heart of the moment, sensation, or emotion they're intended to convey. These are qualities that absolutely transcend songwriting sectors, and as Semisonic's 2020's output thus far demonstrates, it is indeed possible to go back. Like the 2020 EP that preceded it, Little Bit of Sun sounds like a quintessential Semisonic record, and is easily identifiable as such, even if your familiarity with the band doesn't extend past the 1998 mega-hit Closing Time. Musically speaking, the album runs the gamut of Wilson's songwriting areas of expertise, namely alt, folk, country, pop, and soft rock, to an extent that feels unprecedented for Semisonic, but nonetheless entirely within their reach. Lyrically speaking, the album is consistent with Wilson's usual M.O., dwelling primarily in the positive themes of love, hope, gratitude, and nostalgia that have made him such a desirable collaborator for pop artists and have remained prevalent throughout Semisonic's discography. 
However, though the album essentially ticks all the boxes it needed to, Little Bit of Sun still comes up short in some aspects. For starters, I think the addition of at least a couple more rockers would have really helped to balance out the track list, especially towards the middle. There's really only one song here that qualifies as a rocker, second track and third pre-release single, The Rope, while the remaining 11 tracks all range from down to mid-tempo. Even though the songs on Little Bit of Sung are reasonably distinct from one another, the album is unable to avoid its share of slow spots. It's also a decidedly non-experimental record, and even a modest amount of experimentation would have gone a long way towards elevating it beyond pleasant but forgettable. I do realize that Wilson generally doesn't have a lot of leeway to experiment as a pop songwriter, and it was probably demanding enough for him to write 12 songs that sound specifically like Semisonic, as opposed to songs that could have been sold to potentially anybody, so I'm hoping now that he's shaking off the rust and getting comfortable writing for his old band again, he'll feel encouraged to play around more on future records. The only real curveballs on this outing are the two songs with featured guests. Out of the Dirt, which has Jason Isbell on lead guitar, and closing track Beautiful Sky, which includes additional vocals from My Morning Jacket frontman Jim James. Who knows, maybe working with more outsiders will be the key to expanding Semisonic's sonic palette. All in all, Little Bit of Sun is an effective encapsulation of Semisonic that reestablishes Dan Wilson as an alt-rock band leader after many years out of practice. It may not do a whole lot beyond that, but for most fans, it'll represent a good enough start to a triumphant comeback. Alright, I'm ending this episode on the song with Jim James, who, note-ish, happens to be yet another client of Wilson's songwriting enterprise. This is one of the album's biggest standouts by anyone's metric. Again, it's called Beautiful Sky. Happy Holidays, Missoula! Let's raise a toast to the ones we love most Take time to dance with the ghosts Right down the hatch while we're waving the past out the door Let's stay together, we'll all live forever If wishing it could make it so You're where you belong, you've been out there too long in It's a beautiful sky Times I thought it would fall Just to be here alive Just to let that be all Let's make this one last Well, I fought and I cried just to stay satisfied that we all might survive So why do I feel like I'm still at the end of the line Can it just be enough just to live, just to love And know that I'm here by your side Reframing my mind, trying to be satisfied with this time Times I thought it would fall Just to be here 
If you 